Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's right. Okay. Blog Talk Radio. Uh, when I go into cap, what am I doing? When I go into cash this, I'll hand you the headset so you can talk for sure. So, when you get that... Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Happy Wednesday. Today is July 20th, 2016. I'm Michelle Tichet, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Rice. We warmly welcome you to the show, and thank you for choosing to be with us. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you in the queue to talk with our host. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to strengthen and deepen your practice of forgiveness. Now, let's welcome Michael in support of our conversation. Thank you, young lady, and welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're here to share this space with us, and we're excited that we get to take one more day to extend these principles of first-century Aramaic forgiveness and all the corollary understanding that goes with it to, uh, to bring the truth of being and the experience of the direct experience of our true human lives as we realize that human life is that essence of energy that we experience when we hold a newborn sadly we tend to and very early infancy and and early years turn that state of being in for something based in family and cultural dynamics and so we're here to uh, support a shift in those dynamics by recognizing that forgiveness is the tool with which you change the content of your own mind. That is, you remove what never belonged and what never belonged in your structure, in your experience, in your life, in your family system, in your culture is hostility or fear. Look at the the shenanigans that are going on in our culture, and uh, the hostility and fear is pretty rampant, pretty pretty all-pervasive. And so we're looking to shift that dynamic into one that has people really truly able to function as love and to function truly in a state of being so welcome to the show we're glad that you're here and uh, we we hold a space for dr. Tim he's on vacation out hiking and biking today uh, for the week actually and so we just hold the space that he's having an awesome time and extend our appreciation to him for all the wisdom and caring and support that he shows to everybody on this show and especially to Jeannie and I as we travel. And we extend that same appreciation to you, Michelle, for being available, especially oftentimes on very short notice to uh, support us as we're getting things done as we're, we're traveling. And we just finished. We've got a workshop tonight here in St. Louis. Anybody that's in the St. Louis area, come and join us at 630 tonight at uh, Unity on Skinker, uh, the corner of Skinker and Forsyth, just north of 6440 at 6.30 till 9.30. We're going to do a, a slightly shortened version of why is this happening to me again. 
and we'd be delighted to have anybody come and join us. And so Jeannie and I just left uh, Unity there, having set up the tape table and the chairs and all that sort of neat stuff, and we are uh, now in the process of running errands, and there's one errand that I am the only one that can do it, seeing as how it involves my signature. And so in a few minutes, I'll be turning the phone over to Jeannie so that she'll be able to share with you. And, of course, it's Recovery Wednesday, and uh, we're here to look at this idea of recovering the truth of who we are as real human beings. Recovery not about recovering from something, but the recovery of the truth of who we are. If you hold a newborn child, you'll notice everybody's descriptor of the newborn is some variation on the theme of love. Everybody knows what human life is, at least anybody who's ever held a newborn. And it's recovering that state of being that we are looking for here. And so let's check in and see if Gail is with us today and say hello to Gail. Is Gail with us, Michelle? I am with you today. Oh, awesome. How are you, young lady? I am doing well. I just had a a little bit of a process probably about a half hour ago when I called your lovely wife and and requested five minutes of her time. (laughs) Right. Cool. Anything on your mind to share with us today from the uh, the 12-step perspective? I actually posted and I saw you responded to a couple things on Facebook from a a 12-step site that that had some, some pretty insightful mimes. One of them being there is no chemical that can solve a spiritual problem. And if you look at what's going on in the world today, the hostility, the fear, the rage, the grief, the murder, it's all a spiritual problem. And people are trying to solve it with more weapons and more prisons and more hostility. And it's just, you know, it's just crazy. It's never going to solve itself that way. So, uh, so what's on your mind today? I really appreciated that um, meme that you put on there that said something to the effect of the reason why people won't let go of their hate is because they would have to deal with their pain. I thought that that was spot on. And that was something that I was thinking as well is that, that the hateful remarks. And then I saw something that somebody posted um, that was talking about a Christian hate group. So how does that happen? How do you have the word Christian and hate together in a sentence? To describe a group of people <laughs> that supposedly shot a, a transgender person in the face, it's like, how does that happen? How do you label yourself with those two words? And um, and then I saw that meme. Blockage of truth. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and that's what I'm I'm seeing and or observing is a lot of hate. And when I post my positive, um comments on there i'm receiving a lot of hateful um remarks from people that i thought were in recovery or were working on themselves and so uh, um what has been coming up for me has been surprised and the best thing that i could do is is go ahead and delete their comments um you know i'm free to say what i you know want to express on my page um, and they're free to express what they want to express on their page. And I refrain from going to their page and expressing um, uh, uh, maybe something that would be in reverse to what they believe. So that's, that's my stance at this, at this point in time, (laughs) stay on your own page. Cool. (laughs) Well, as I posted with that mime, and I forget the gentleman's name that uh, that said it, but he, as you say, he's spot on. Yeah. If if anybody, by the way, isn't connected with me on Facebook, you can go to send a friend request to J M underscore R Y C E, and you'll find us there. But uh, this gentleman's post was talking about how if we let go of our hatred, then we're going to have to feel what's underneath it. And you'll notice that hostility is always the accompaniment of hatred. And why would that be? That's because hostility is the granddaddy of all drugs. It's the the number one destroyer of relationships, of bodies, of minds. And 
the person who's in hatred is just an extreme state of hostility. And until we start to wake up to that dynamic and start to forgive the hostility, the fear, the hatred, the grief, the rage, the pain, the drama, the trauma, you know, the game's not going to change much. And so we're here to change the game. And, and when one lets go of hostility, it's amazing what kinds of things boil up from inside that otherwise remain hidden. And so, you know, you go back to the ancient scriptures and they said nothing will remain hidden. Everything will be made known in the light of the day. It's all going to come up. And the more we try to hide it from ourselves, the more and the deeper it's going to come up. One of the things that is in um, the AA literature, it's in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous under step three, and step three is that we made a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood him. It says that we had to stop playing God. And then the Mm -hmm. next sentence it says, it didn't work. (laughs) And I think a part of playing God is, the thinking that we have the right to play judge during executioner. And I know that my, my number one character defect is being judgmental. And I know that my being judgmental is, a, um, is a survival skill. It's a safety mechanism, um, to be able to ascertain information very quickly to make a survival judgment. And so I go to a place of judgment, and it protects me. But it also, in the same in the same breath, it also my thinking it gives me the right to play judge, you know, jury and executioner too, which you know, in my thinking, gives me the right to be hostile or to hit somebody or to slander somebody or to gossip about somebody. And then, as a result of taking those actions, then I have guilt, shame, and remorse. And then I'm caught in the cycle of um, what ends up happening is evoking what is called irritable restlessness and discontent. And with that irritable restlessness and discontent, I need to take a chemical and put it in my body to change my feelings. And that's what um, the the rest of the 12 steps do for me. You know, all the 12 steps do for me is help me change my thinking so my feelings change so I don't have to put those chemicals in my body to change how I feel. Well, my my coaching would be that as long as we tell ourselves a lie and believe the lie, exactly. we tend to keep doing the same behavior. And the lie you just told yourself I would offer is that it protected you. It's never protected exactly. you. Being judgmental, all, all those, none of those things have ever protected you even for one fraction of a second. What they have done is they've set up energy with which to draw more attack. You know, a great line from the Course mm. in Miracles, one of the early lessons in the Course is, in my defenselessness, my power and safety lie. It's not in my ability to make war and lash out at people that protects me. That, in fact, is the very energy that will draw someone to attack me. And so on the level of cause, in the appearance level, it looks like, well, gee, if somebody's coming at me and I punch them in the nose and I can beat them up better than they can beat me up, then you see it protected me. My hostility protected me. But what I didn't realize is at the same time as I was doing that, I was setting up an energy field that called in a thousand more people to attack me, literally on an energetic level. You know, you've heard me talk about uh, Marcel Vogel, who brought to a conference several years ago a a thing called a Delaware camera, which he could take a picture of the high energy waves that leave the mind when we think a thought. So when I start going into that hostility and judgment and such, thinking I'm protecting myself, I'm literally sending up a high energy wave that says to all the world, please come and do more of this to me. So you might want to really look at how automatically the speech rolled off your tongue that it protects you and start to question the truth of that it may appear to do so in the short term, but in the big picture, it just keeps the game of insanity going. Agreed. Agreed. And thank you for the extra dot. Yeah. Um, and, and connecting it. <laughs> cool. And we, I know that you started on Monday. Um, 
start for Miracle Monday, you're starting to talk about denial, and I think that this goes right in there with with denial. And what I was going to offer um, was, and exactly what you said um, on Monday, if we're if we're in a state of denial, we can't access the help that we need when we're too busy blaming other people. Then we can't tap into the unconscious and ask for help. And and that is the exact same way. In, in the 12 steps as well, especially with the use of the serenity prayer in the first step, um, the opposite for me of denial would be acceptance. And so what we ask for in the serenity prayer is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And in the first step, it's we admitted we are powerless over alcohol, that our lives have become unmanageable. And for me, um, that acceptance, having acceptance and powerless, whatever I'm powerless over, I need to accept. Whatever I need to accept, I'm powerless over. And that's 10%, and it's effect. And then um, whatever I need to have the courage to change and also um, my unmanageability is 90%. And those are the same as well. And so um, being able to identify what I need to accept and what I'm powerless over and what I can change and what is unmanageable, I think is um, until I do those things, I can't change. And then I, um, if I'm stuck in denial, then I'm going to be blaming everybody else and won't be able to tap into that solution and change my thinking so I wanted to add it that little bit. Cool. I, I have a slightly different. I have a slightly different perspective on the opposite of um, of denial. Okay. And I wouldn't see it as responsibility. I would, or pardon me, as um, acceptance. I would see it as responsibility. So when I'm in denial, and for those who are new to the show, perhaps your first time on, the definition we use of denial here is not the world's definition of something happened and I say that it didn't, so I'm in denial. But rather, denial is the act of thinking or speaking as though something outside of you is a cause of something that's going on inside of you. So when I say, you made me mad, you made me sad, you made me afraid, I'm in denial. The root of my mad, sad, and afraid is inside of me. But when I live in denial, when I talk about how you did it to me, then I've just dissociated from or hidden from myself the part of my mind that causes my mad, sad, or afraid. And so now I can't heal the core issue that I need to heal because I'm talking about everybody else. And it's when I can take responsibility for it. Here I am in my mad or my sad or my afraid, and I can own and language. Hmm, here I am in fear. What is it in me that holds this fear that I need to deal with? Gee, here I am in rage. What's the root of my rage? What do I need to access and forgive? And by taking responsibility for that, I make the space for that information to, become, to come to awareness. And when it comes to awareness, then I can start to shift and change that energy. Does that make sense? It makes total sense, and I understand and agree, and once again, thank you for adding many more dots to make that picture a lot clearer, and um, I was hoping my correlation was denial and the opposite was acceptance, but it, it still didn't feel like it was totally accurate, so thank you for giving me the word responsible or responsibility, because yes, that makes way more sense. And that's why we're having this conversation, and I'm grateful for it, to fine-tune the words and the definitions of words and the way to use these tools. So thank you so much. For sure. And for those, again, who are new to the show, one of the things we quote often is some Harvard research that says that in a time frame where there are 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity happening in the brain, 10,000 brain cells firing, the max amount of information that gets into conscious awareness is nine bits, tiny, tiny fragment. So when I live in denial, you made me mad. What in essence I'm saying to my mind is, mind, 
I know we've got some mad going on here, but I don't want to have any of this stuff of being responsible for it or seeing that it's mine. We need to place it all in our brain's image of them and make sure they know that they're the reason we're mad, sad, hurt, or afraid. And when one lives in that state because of the evidential nature of the mind, and when you're looking at nine bits of data out of 10,000, you're only looking at evidence, and something gives permission to the mind to allow information that has previously been accessed to be accessed. And that thing which gives permission is responsibility. And where responsibility still doesn't cut it, then what takes us into the healing process there is first century Aramaic forgiveness. So recognizing that what causes, what drives the process of the world that I see, what happens in my nine-bit mind is the goals that I hold in my mind at any given moment. If I hold a goal to make you the problem in my life, then all the problems that I have will remain hidden and I will hallucinate a whole world where you're the one who has the problems. And, of course, that's the state of the world. I mean, just listen to right up to our presidential candidates. You're talking about everybody else. And, boy, we're going to straighten out those people that are the problem. And, you know, it's, it's their fault. And we need to punch them in the nose. And I'd like to punch them. And if you'd punch them, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll pay your legal expense. I mean, it's just, you know, the, the, the game goes on. And there's such deep, deep, deep denial that one can't even start to look at their own minds and the contents of their own minds. And so they stay in that continuous state of turmoil. When I choose to take responsibility and then recognize that what's driving the world that I see, the, the information out of 10,000 brain cells that fire that I get to see in a given time frame, what drives that process, what recruits content from those 10,000 brain cells is my goals. And so if I hold a good, make sure that somebody else is to blame for what's going on in my life, then that goal will always cause my mind to use evidence to prove that somebody else is the problem in my life. And of course, the, the tongue-in-cheek line I like to deliver there is you'll notice if you've been through a particular painful reality 87 different times with 42 different people, you're the only one that was there every time. Your pain, your turmoil, your trauma is always about you. My pain, my turmoil, my trauma is always about me. And I found it to be really useful in the midst of that upset where in a fraction of a second the mind can be, you know, just puking it on somebody else to stop and recognize that the signals in my own body, my own form, that tell me that there's disturbance happening inside of it. So it can be the clenched jaw, the tightened fist, you know, whatever it is, the held breath. And when I can stop and say to myself, ah, this is about me. You know, this clenched fist is about me. This jaw tightening to the point where my, my TMJ hurts, that's about me. But if every time I have someone show up who could support me in healing, I go into a story about them and tell them what's wrong with them and tell them how they did it and they did it again and now they're doing it again, then I never get to look at the part of my mind that I need to heal and the trauma energy remains in tissue and continues to cause pain and turmoil. So it's a, an interesting process in the fact that, uh, that this man, Yeshua, 2,000 years ago came up with a formula for putting an end to that cycle. And the formula in Aramaic is called forgiveness. The word forgive in Aramaic is shebag, which means to cancel. And so I don't cancel you. I don't cancel myself in a circumstance where I have disturbance. But in a circumstance where my mind is showing me that you're the problem, I cancel the goal, the desire that I have for you to do something for me, whatever it is, whatever the goal is that you violate. And as I cancel that goal, I collapse the projection that my inner turmoil is caused by you. And in collapsing that projection, collapsing the picture that's shown on the screen of the nine-bit mind, when that collapses in on itself, I get to drop into the hidden part of my own mind, and that's when I can bring healing to it. And so that's the whole, in a nutshell, what forgiveness is all about. And what this work is all about is to continuously set your life up so that you get to drop into and be responsible for the hidden parts of your mind that tell you lies, that keep you in some form of state other than 
the true state of a human being, which is love. So, and and it is that forgiveness process that allows us to recover the truth of being, the truth of who we are. And so for those that are new, I hope that uh, kind of starts to open the, the gates to understanding the, the root of the tools. And of course, if you... Uh, if it's making sense to you and you're just starting and you'd like to access more information, there are over 1,500 hours of radio shows where we've just had this conversation on an ongoing basis and, and bringing forward all the tools that we have. Actually, if you go to uh, whyagain.org, and in the upper left-hand corner, you'll see the first words on the page are start here. If you click on that, it'll open a whole series of links, and those links will take you into depth with the work. If you look at the third link and click on that, it'll open a series of links to some of the most important radio shows that we've done, some of the key conversations. And so if you want to short-circuit the process, you can go and do that. And, and if you're ready to use the forgiveness process, the Wake Up uh, Worksheet, then go to the second link under the Start Here button, print off the worksheet, and then go to the third link, and there are radio shows where we've walked somebody through the whole process, step by step by step. Here's how it's done. And it is, if you'll actually do it, you know, it amazes me how many people are exposed to it and go, yes, I understand, that's great, and then never do it. Why not? Because to do it means you get to look at your own unconscious dynamics. And most people set their lives up like that's the number one unconscious motivator of most people's lives is to behave in a way that they never have to look at that. Oh, I'll be the good little boy. I'll be the good little girl. I'll never violate mom or dad's desires. Then I'll be safe. And, and then that becomes the dynamic that needs to be collapsed in order to look at the root of what's going on and bring real healing and recovery of the true self, recovery of being. So how does that fit into the 12-step uh, the uh, work? That fits very well. <laughs> cool. Um, there, there is a, a um, I would say, steps four through ten, are the steps where we start to look at ourselves and look at our motivation and thinking and um, set ourselves free um, from or liberate ourselves from, from our thinking and our feelings and our, uh, and our need to change our feelings by working those steps. Um, step four would be doing an inventory, a moral inventory of ourselves, which is basically looking it's a fact-finding, fact-facing proposition. Uh, step five is about talking about what we found in step four to somebody else. Um, step six is after we've uncovered our, our character defects and shortcomings in four and five, we become willing to let go of them and turn them over to God. And step seven, we do so. We take that action and start to um, do a petition to God. Um, about letting go of these character defects and shortcomings. And eight, we make a list of all people we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. And nine, um, we start to take the action to make amends to people, to to clear away the wreckage of our past um, by doing whatever we can to right um, our character defects that created harm in other people's lives. And step 10 is basically four through nine every single day. So that's how we do it. <laughs> okay. So Michael just handed me his phone. He's gone into the absolutely understood. There. <laughs> that is that is perfect. And um, you know, it amazes me how close the forgiveness work and the twelve step program is, and how you know they may word it a little different, but it's it's all there, and uh, it's a big part of recovery is having the support team, whether it is you know a support group that does this work, whether it's a twelve step group, or or whether it's just an accountability partner, but somebody you know we all need somebody. We can't do it on our own. 
Agreed. And probably one of the biggest things, even in 12-step, is getting somebody to recognize that they need to step up and take the responsibility and say, you know, I need to do something different. Absolutely. And and a big part of that is the um, the humility um, to ask for help, which is a big problem for me um, because I was taught or learned, and this is a big part of my unconscious dynamics, power person, is that when you ask for help, um, you put yourself in a position to be taken advantage of, to be abused, or for somebody to say, no, I'm not going to help you, or you're weak, or why can't you do this yourself, or I don't have time. And so putting yourself in that position to ask somebody to be your sponsor, ask somebody to be a part of your recovery team, um, calling somebody when you're in dire straits and saying, oh, help me um, – piece these puzzles together, you know, because these, these are the pieces that are coming up and I have no idea what this means. And, um, yeah, being able to do that, it, it takes a lot of humility and it takes a lot of trust. Yeah, I agree. I know growing up, what I heard a lot, I'd ask a question and I'd be told to go look it up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, that just brought up all kinds of irritation for me. It's like, why do I need to take the time to go look it up? Just tell me. Give me the answer. And But, you know, I learned a lot of things. And to me, I considered that learning it the hard way because I had to look up. I had to do research. And, you know, but I guess in the long run, you know, I mean, I, I enjoy when I went back to school and, and having to do so much on my own because a lot of it was, you know, most of it was online. And so I, I didn't have that teacher constantly in front of me and I had to do a lot of it on my own so I guess in the long run that experience as a child helped me to get through a lot of other things too but yeah it's, we definitely need somebody I mean having to do it on our own to me is the hard way and just like you called me I this agree. Morning, and I appreciate that and you know I think that when we ask a question you know even the person we're asking for assistance you know there's something in the question for them and, you know, just like on this show, you know, one person calls in and they have an issue or something going on and, and they ask a question or ask for support. And, I mean, every day people say, oh, that show was right up my alley. That's what I needed today. And, you know, so it's always for someone else. It's just not for us. Agreed. I just recently um, got a sponsee back. It was a woman that I used to sponsor eight years ago and four years ago we went our separate ways and she got to a place where she started calling me back this weekend and asked me to be her sponsor again. And every time she calls and asks me a question and we go back through the steps, I too learn something, you know, like Michael says when he quotes Richard Bach and saying, we teach what we both most need to know. And so, yeah, I, I learn something every time I get a phone call from somebody whether it's in, with the Aramaic and they ask a question or if it, if it's a 12-step question. Absolutely. I get something out of it as well. So it's my amazing thinking at this when point... We, when we give, we uh, receive, isn't it? Absolutely. And like you say, when we're breathing somebody, when we're doing still point, we get breathed. If we become a conduit, like I do Reiki, when I become a conduit for that energy I I'm I receive it in order to be a conduit for it in order to be able to give it to somebody else. Absolutely and you know it's in this in this arena that the more you give it away the more you get to keep it. You know it it uh it goes opposite to the way the world says it. The world says, Oh I have to I have to keep everything in order to have it and uh this one in order to have it you have to give it away. It's it's actually pretty cool. And that's a that's one of the bigger slogans in the twelve step world as well, is that we have in order to keep it we give it away. And that's a big part of our twelve step. Um there's three parts to the twelve step, but the last part of it is to um to carry the message to others. And that was one of the biggest messages um that the um the co founders uh received as well. Um, when they got it from the Oxford group is that we need to carry the message to others. 
Absolutely. Well, let's check in with Michelle and see if there's anything happening in the chat room or anybody with a hand up in the uh, in the phone queue. Michelle, any thoughts that uh, that you have to share in the conversation before we check in on that? Um, well, the quiet and we don't have any hands up, so um, certainly invite anyone who's listening to participate at that point. Um, I'm in A Course of Miracles group, and we're starting with the Manual for Teachers this summer, and there's a section that we're actually reviewing right now related to what are the characteristics of um, God's teachers. Well, I'm not sure. Maybe that's not the title of it. But, oh, yeah, that's it. So um, there's there's one of the um, attributes, characteristics is um, generosity, and it speaks to the idea of giving it away to keep it. And the interesting part is, like, generosity becomes a result of trust. And so it's kind of like, the all the above because you're sort of developing all those faculties at, at once and then it seems like they begin to coalesce the more you um, use the work and the tools and practice, you know, studying Rachma as a filter of love and just having the intention and awareness when you're out of alignment and committed to reconnecting re- uh, to love and recommitting to being love and so it always, um, you know, the more I do forgiveness work, the more, of course, the miracles actually make sense, which is written in English now. Well, you might remember the line in the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again, where I offer that. To a complicated mind, the truth is very complicated. And to a simplified mind, the truth is very simple. Because the truth is simple. It's pretty, uh, pretty straightforward and pretty obvious. Unless the mind is filled with all sorts of denials, dissociations, and complexities, and then... Uh, part of the healing process is working through those complexities, which means processing unconsciousness and uh, everything that's happened within our lives that's unlike love and within the family system, the cultural system that needs to be cleaned up that's, you know, that we have remnants of. So it's, uh, it's an interesting process to, uh, to go through that and well, maybe the undo the insanity. The complexity comes from the, um, you know, you said it, it seems very simple, and, and yet it is. Um, the complexity comes from the part where you're just nailing the ego. The part that's resisting allowing those natural um, energies to present. Right, right. And, and, you know, if you go to the Aramaic, the word uh, Satan means the resistor, one who misleads. Yeah. And so when we're in that resistance, then literally in resistance, the energy cannot flow. It cannot move. And so it's coming back to a state of willingness that allows literally things to soften and the energy to move. If there's a resistor in the line, the energy can't move. And you look at the average person who's in hostility or fear, and you talk to them about uh, you talk to them about uh, you know a place where there's block of the truth, and it's like no, 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 not me. And you know it's, it's Satan in Aramaic is a two-part word. It means the resistor, one who misleads. And so when I'm in my, oh, no, not me, and then I've got a whole story about somebody else and how they're the problem in my life, then I get to start to change that game when I go into willingness. And, and uh, everything starts to shift and change. Until then, the truth cannot even be heard. It cannot, the mind can't fathom the truth because the brain cells that are firing with unconsciousness and sadness and fear and rage and hopelessness and helplessness and all the dynamics of the world, just cover it up, just cause things to go blotto. And so we're looking to be restored to wholeness, to wellness, to recover the truth of being 
and then to really truly live out of that state is uh, is really what it's all about, and what we're here to support people in being able to understand and bring into experience. So, Michael, let's invite um, area code nine one zero to hand up to um, share their insight or questions. Hi, this is Jill. Well, hey there, young lady. Uh, Welcome. Thank you. Michael, has, um, Michael, have you talked to Jill before? Hello? Um, I have called yeah. in one time before, but I think it was Dr. Kim that was here. Right. Jill, I was there, and I was asking Michael if, if he talked to you before. He um, called in since that time. That uh, show happened on June 30th. Um, just three weeks ago, and I can tell you um, I preferred quite a few people to listen to that really powerful exchange that you guys had, and um, so I actually oh. want to take the opportunity to thank you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. That was so um, powerful for me, and I'm touched about it. You know, you were just talking about how it helps other people, so of course it does, but I don't know. I Thank you. I'm I'm happy to hear that, and it helped me tremendously, too. Um, well, but what was so remarkable is you had, you know, I know you had the support group in Wellington, but you're, you know, in a in a beginning stage of, um, you know, practicing these tools, and that I think was was exciting because you had a result, and it was, re- you know, in less than a 20 minute time period, which was just so remarkable. Wow. Yeah. I. Well, I I want this. This is actually what I've been asking for, is to see the truth. And this gives me um, the tools to do that. And also, I think it's empowering because I've, um, I can change it. You know, these things that cause such fear in me um, or rage or whatever it is, I can change those. And I want to because I want to live a more peaceful life. And, you know, if I'm in love versus fear... Um, it's, I've had glimpses of that already, and, and that's what I want. So um, it was the answer awesome. to my to my prayer, really. Right. Um, and one of the things to shift, Jill, is going to be the belief that anything can cause fear hmm. or anything else to happen in you. The reason we experience fear, sadness, grief, rage, whatever it is, is because it's in us. The mm-hmm. circumstances that resonated in us give us the gift of being able to overcome it, being able to forgive it. And when I start to shift into recognizing, oh, you know, when Charlie said this, it brought up a lot of sadness in me or rage or whatever, then my mind is given permission to show me the root of what it is that I need to be uprooting and forgiving. I yeah I love that and I think what I I have difficulty doing is getting to the root and so I I have a situation yes. right now that definitely triggers fear and I called in particularly on this day because I'm an adult child of an alcoholic and this does revolve around alcohol I think it's my perception I'm pretty sure um, right so I'm dating somebody whose behavior at times reminds me of my dad which makes me you know, first conclusion is he must be under the influence. And my second conclusion is I'm not safe. And the action I want to take is I want to run away or I want to hide, like shut down, nobody's home. You know, my true self is hidden. You can't see me, you can't hurt me type of thing. And so it's pretty revolutionary that actually, no, not necessarily true, but I don't know what to do with that. So this is where the genius of the man named Yeshua comes into play so ultra-powerfully when he teaches about forgiveness. And you hear him saying, you, mu- you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother. And what he's saying is that if I'm in pain or turmoil, my t- pain or turmoil is an energy inside of me that I'm in denial of, And therefore, I use it to build my brain's image of, in this case, the person you're dating. So Mm -hmm. you've got some old energies hanging around from your relationship with dad. Mm -hmm. And when he triggers those energies, your mind then projects that 
into your brain's image of him. So Yeshua mm-hmm. would say to you, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs that you put into your brain's image of him. And to get to the root of it, you, you know, you can't sit around and go, well, let me see. I wonder what's at the root of this. It doesn't work. I mean, you can spend years doodling on that one and not get anywhere. But the forgiveness process that he taught is that you look at the situation that you're in and you identify as specifically as you can the goal that you held for the person that you're interacting with today. And okay. so you just, you just went through and identified about eight worksheets that you could be doing around <laughs> your relationship with him, your willingness, for mm-hmm. instance, for him to see you, your mm-hmm. willingness for him to treat you in a way that you would be safe. They'd be goals mm-hmm. that you hold for him that when you do the ridiculous thing like, gee, you know, I just want to be, feel safe around him. I want him to treat me in a way that I know that I am safe. Then forgiveness would say that now that I recognize that the, the, the goal, the driver that's causing me to go back to old feelings of unsafety with dad is my goal for him to treat me in a way that I feel safe. So what I'm going to do is the ridiculous thing of canceling that goal. So Mm -hmm. I cancel my goal for him to treat me in a way that I feel safe. And what happens when I do that is I've got a picture in the surface mind. You know, psychology is pretty much established for us that at least 90 to 95% of our psychological processes are unconscious. So the feelings of unsafety are coming from that hidden part of my mind. How do I get that part of my mind to come to the surface? Well, I collapse the surface mind's picture of it being about him by canceling the goal that's driving the process. When that surface picture collapses, when I cancel my need for him to treat me in a way that I know that I'm safe, then that, that surface picture will collapse into itself, and when it does, it will show me the root of the unsafety. Mm. And when I can, when I can bring, there's a great line in the Course in Miracles that says, bring the world you do not want to the one you do. So the world you do not want, the world of unsafety is now lodged inside of you. And Mm -hmm. so you want to bring that world to that connected space of love that you're talking about. That's why in step four of the worksheet, you key into the strongest, clearest love that you can. And then in step five, you cancel the goal and ask for support in moving the energy that underlies it. And that's when you get to drop into the underlying material. Now, depending how deep the denial is, you know, when they said to Yeshua 2,000 years ago, well, how many of these darn worksheets do we need to do? How many times do I need to cancel? Is seven times enough? And in Aramaic, his answer was no, it was 77 times 70. Now, you can rest assured that a bunch of fishermen uh, weren't standing around going, let's see, 77 is 49, carry the 40. <laughs> they weren't doing it. It wasn't, it wasn't a logical number. He was giving them mm-hmm. a number that was beyond their comprehension. He was saying, as many times as you need to until you gather the willingness to look at the underlying dynamics is how many times you're going to cancel that goal to get to the root. And you may get, you know, depending on your level of vitality, your level of willingness, you'll do an infinite amount of work until you're finished with that dynamic. And then when you're finished with it, that issue will just disappear. Mm-hmm. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, that's, it does. And it's, that was helpful for you to help me, you know, identify some goals because I think I also have difficulty there. I mean, the, the two you mentioned were ones I hadn't thought of. So um, that's good. Right. I'd suggest, I I don't have a a record of what all you said, but I'd suggest Mm -hmm. you go back and listen to the archive of the show, and -hmm. you outlined about seven or eight different worksheets right there when you said, when I don't feel this and I don't feel that and I want this and I want that, each one of those Mm -hmm. points to a goal that you want to be canceling in order to collapse in and look at those hidden parts of the mind. Okay. That's very helpful. Thank you. Hey, glad to be on the team. Delighted and honored. (laughs) Same here. (laughs) Yay. 
All right. Well, anything else we can do to support you today? And, you know, as you're doing those worksheets, please feel free to call in and share your, uh, your questions, your refinements, and uh, we're here to support total and complete understanding of these tools for every mind, heart, and being on the planet. Thank you. I am sure I will have questions as I do them, so you'll hear from me again. Cool. Fabulous. Well, anything else we can support you with today? No, I think that's good for now. All right. Awesome. Thanks. Then, Michelle, yeah, well, blessings. And, Michelle, anybody else with a hand up in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room for us to be aware of? Um. Well, we um, don't have a hand up here, but um, let me see the chat room. Hold on. So, um, Michael, yeah. I, uh, I like bringing strangers to the show. But how do you say it? Not stranger than me. Um, right. So um, here's someone who wants to um, run something by you. Hi, good Hi. afternoon, Dr. Michael. Hey, who am I speaking with? Where are you calling from? This is Sally. I'm calling from Michigan. Awesome. Cool. How can we support yeah. you? Um, well, I have a question, and I've wondered this for quite a while. Is it unusual for a child of, a, of an alcoholic parent to end up falling in love and not realizing that the person they fell in love with is and soon became an alcoholic themselves? Well, one of the things that we talk about in our codependence to interdependence workshop is what we call a power person. And a power person is somebody in our lives who had more power over our lives at some point than we did. We perceived the circumstance as survival, and they weren't functioning as love. So they're the components of a power person. And what will happen is, because we are energetic beings and the universe works by the law of resonance, is Mm -hmm. we will automatically be drawn or resonated towards someone because we, on some part of ourselves, we know we need to work through that issue. We'll automatically pull somebody in and be drawn towards somebody who will play that out with us. So, yes, it's very common. And, you know, somebody divorces the alcoholic, there, I got rid of that bum, and, and, and finds somebody who doesn't even drink, and five years later they're an alcoholic. Why? Because we're going to be drawn to the circumstances that will show us what we most need to deal with and what we most deeply need to heal. And that's just how the process works. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your help. God bless you and yours, and I really appreciate your guys' radio show. Thank you. Blessings accepted. (laughs) God bless. All right, we've got about eight minutes left, so we've got time for another good question or two. If you're in the phone queue and you push one, that'll put a little hand up, and Michelle, through the magic of technology, will see your hand go up and uh, invite you to share with us. If you're in the uh, the chat room, our call-in number is 646-200-4169. If you're on one of those stations we can't see in our uh, control panel, if you call that number and you push one, that will put you in the queue to say hello. So, Michelle, anyone else with a hand up? Not right now. Okay. Right, seven then let's out. say again. Seven minutes is plenty of time for, for a Yeah, we've got question. good conversation, too. And maybe um, Gail, from her experience through the AA uh, program and recovery, has some, uh, some feedback for that question on being attracted to someone who will give us the opportunity to play it out and heal it one more time. Any thoughts for you, Gail? Absolutely. <laughs> I, well, first of all, I'm so honored. The last two calls have been people that have looked forward to Recovery Wednesday and have asked their, their um, question based on, you know, uh, uh, alcoholism or, or addiction, and that's awesome um, that that's helping people. My personal experience is that I have attracted every single relationship in my life has been based on power person dynamics, either either my mom or my dad, neither one 
of my parents are alcoholic. They have other addictions. My mother was most definitely a workaholic. Um, my dad most definitely has issues with food and sugar, and both of them were not available um, and were both very neglectful, narcissistic, and abusive. And what did you know? What did I attract? Um, all my relationships, I could drill down into that and, and by collapsing my goals for the um, that I had for these different men and it will go straight to my dad or my mom or, or even my stepfather. And then I could look at um, the progression of attraction in my mom's life where um, when she divorced my dad and um, the progression of men and um, how abusive they were till she finally got married when I was 17. And, um, you know, she just kept getting sicker and sicker and, and attracting different, I mean, the same, but worse. And I did that as well until I got into recovery and started to change some of my dynamics. And the other thing that we say in AA is that we, we pick sick, our pickers are broke. And that's why there's the encouragement to not get into a relationship until at least a year of sobriety or until you're on step nine and you're starting to repair the wreckage of your past. And um, so that's where that discouragement is, is because we're going to pick the same thing again. Gail? So my yes, input would be that the picker isn't sick. The picker's perfect. We're going to set ourselves up one more time with the opportunity to heal. And that's perfect. You know, you go back to Yeshua and, um, you know, he talks about ask and receive. And I think he's mostly explaining that in order to say, if you've received it, it's because you've asked for it. That's, that's the reason he gave us that particular dynamic. But then he goes on to say, and recognize that before you even asked, you had already received it. Your picker is perfect. You will always be guided to select exactly the circumstances you need to move to the next layer of healing that you're ready to do. And it isn't Dr. Feelgood, so I can certainly understand the conclusion that the picker's sick, but the picker's perfect. Now, if I can recognize my perfect picker and I've got the tools such as say for instance yeah we'll have to say that one 10 times in a row fast if I if I recognize how perfect it is and I've got the tools I can take for instance I meet somebody who's got the perfect matching bag of garbage the if I've got the fear they've got the intimidation if I've got the rage they've got the terror you know I'll find somebody with the matching bags bag of garbage and I'll start off with a commitment. And the commitment says, hey, you know, I got a bag of garbage. You've got one too. We're so attracted to each other, we must have matching bags of garbage. So how about if we start out with a relationship that when I go into pain or turmoil and trauma and my mind tells me it's because you did something, I'm going to stop and go, I'm in pain, turmoil, trauma. Something's coming up for me. And I realize that it's not your fault or your problem that I'm in this. I realize that I have something here that I need to heal. And so I'm asking for, or I'm working toward creating a relationship where each of us is able to be in that space, own that, and take responsibility for what's coming up. So now, with my perfect picker, I've selected the person who will show me everything that I need to heal. And I will know exactly how to show them everything they need to heal. I don't need to ask for the perfect relationship. It's right there. Now, if I'll use the tools, then that relationship that yesterday without tools and living in the cultural and family game of denial, dissociation, projection, rage, guilt, fear, it's all your fault, intimidation, the relationship that yesterday would purely lead me to the depths of hell will now purely lead me to the heights of heaven. Same relationship. Agreed. Yay. Yay. Well, we're down to about a minute or so. You got another thought before we complete? Uh, I was wondering what Michelle had to say. Um, I just said um, my first husband was active addiction, alcoholic, and using drugs to self-medicate. And um, after I divorced him, I was single for five years. 
and did a lot of work. And so I thought that my husband, my next husband who had, um, who was in recovery and now 20 years in recovery was a better version. And thank God I have tools because it would have ended up similarly. Understood. Thanks for sharing. Definitely takes the use of the tools and we're down to the last few seconds. So I'm going to say everybody, thank you for lending us your ears. Share this with somebody, bring a stranger to the show tomorrow and create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and myself, Jeannie Rice, as we present the Internal Aramaic Process of Forgiveness. We are here every Monday through Friday from 1 to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael, myself, or Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.